Leadership development exists because none of us are perfect, fully realized people. We all have room for growth in our lives, and we need help along the way. Hi, and welcome to Developing Imperfect Leaders. Because the last time I checked, we're not Jesus. This podcast is a project of the Leadership Development Institute at Hope Community Church, intended to help you explore and grow your leadership skills for service both inside and outside the church. I'm your host, Paul Stiver, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Kaylin Larson. Hello. And Natty Severson. Hi. All right, let's get right into it. Let's get into the fun facts. Kaylin, tell us a fun fact about you. Could I have two fun facts? You're the one who's like, I can never think of one. Well, and now you're I more w- just want to say, All right, okay, when yeah. he's doing that intro, because it's no longer in front of me, <laughs> I'm like, I don't remember where I go. I don't remember what I say. And then I get all like, I'm like I've got one line. And I they're know. like, one I'm line, like, one line, one job. And then what is it? But I remember. You nail it every time. Anyways. Undefeated. Okay, so that wasn't a really fun fact. She actually has been defeated. It happened in season one twice. Yep. So my uh, fun fact about me is I worked at a skating rink in high school. An ice skating rink or a roller skating rink? Oh, that's a good clarification. An ice skating rink. So it was very seasonal. Yes, but it flip-flopped. So there was the ice skating rink and then, so it was in Egan. So there was Egan Ice Arena and then Cascade Bay was just like shared the same parking lot. And so when in the, in the summer I did Cascade Bay and then in the winter. Is Cascade Bay a uh, water park? Okay. All right. It's, yeah. It's yeah. A, sorry. For those of us who didn't grow who up didn't, in yeah. the extreme who South Metro the, of the 20, it's Twin Cities extreme. It's the first one past the river. It's outside of the loop. Was it a good water park? Oh, uh, yeah. It has. Okay, I didn't mean to insult you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, um, it has a lazy I ge- river. I it genuinely was, didn't know. It, has a lazy it was river. friggin' Wisconsin Dells. <laughs> okay. But a little so bit smaller. Your evaluative tool for a um, good water park is lazy river, apparently. That's well, what Well, yeah, because then the one in Apple Valley wasn't as, until they got a lazy river, it wasn't as popular because. i sorry. This was my high school years. I. So people didn't go to, they enjoyed Cascade Bay because you could just. Lazy River. Lazy River. And at the Apple Valley Water Park, you can't really do that. You had to either do the slides or just kind of like hang out in the pool. Yeah. So. You know, it's technically not a river because it loops around. Oh, just to think so all I had, I had to do when I was a skating rink. That is my fun fact. <laughs> that was Nothing fun. to do with. Oh, was the other fun fact that you get nervous during that line? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Mine, uh, mine is, this is, um. Chewing gum related. Uh, so similar topic. No, it's not. But uh, <laughs> in that I... They probably don't let you chew gum in either of those facilities. It's uh, not advised. so sad. When it comes to chewing gum, I'm a Trident guy. Um, hopefully they sponsor the show one day. Uh, shout out Trident. Um, oh, that's Orbit. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, we just marketed the wrong company. Um, but here's the... So Cinnamon, which... To actually, is I like yeah. cinnamon. Okay, yep. Kaylin, keep your reactions to yourself, please. Uh, so I don't cinnamon, know what that one, is. I don't know what cinnamon the is. The cinnamon one will actually so like you have to build. Buy when I was uh, little. You have to build your tongue tolerance up because it burns yeah, your tongue. It hurts your tongue. It's spicy. Um, I actually really like the bubblegum variety of Trident, which is no. other people have really hated when I've mentioned in the past. But the one that is like a newer people member, just shut the podcast off. Good job, they, Paul. Well, that's fine. Um, I'm, we're not in it for the listeners. We're in it for you <laughs> who stick me. you who stuck around listening. Doing it for myself. Uh the best one though, it's Reese. It's a newer flavor, tropical twist. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Reese's. <laughs> so did I. You started to say recent. That one. And I, you came. I yeah, I, I was, was like, like, that is the grossest peanut butter, peanut butter and chocolate oh. gum. Uh, that um you can I mean if you want, 
You throw a Reese's peanut butter cup and a stick of gum. Don't, in. don't. Oh, and then I'm you'll gonna know. start to gag. It happened once before on the podcast. You don't want it again. That's, um, so no, that it's called Tropical oh, Twist, and it is. This is a good. It's okay. We're gonna. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. I got it. Natty's fun fact is Deep she's breath. throwing up on the pod. That I, would be my. It could be my fun fact that I just gag easily. That, my husband likes the tropical gum. Too. Yeah, he All has right. it Thank in his glove compartment. For like two Finally, seconds. feel supported. You're incorrect yes. about that. You're he thinking of a different keeps it brand. In, not the glove compartment, but this is it a console thing right here? In yeah, the, in the truck. Yeah. Trident sticks. That's the one gum that actually yep. does last in flavor, I think. But hey, I only my my go to is only wintergreen, not peppermint. Yes, yeah. oh, for sure. yes, and it's spearmint. Or winter There's green. one that yeah. is not like the blue. Not spearmint. I do not like spearmint. Oh. There's one that's uh, oh, Peppermint's fine. Spearmint's gross to me. A lot of, gum, like lot of chewing gum banter like on the, the show today. Like All right. Green. My fun fact is that I am completely out of fun facts. I am just not that interesting. You like, are, though. Uh, I'm funny, but I'm not. Like, like my life isn't that interesting. So I can make a lot of funny out of, like, regular situations, but my life's not that interesting. So I decided I would start going on the internet and finding a fun fact about the world. And then I would just bring that to the listeners because I'm out of fun facts about myself. So the fun fact for this episode is that, are you ready for this? I hope it's the grocery store one. Sloths can hold their breath longer than dolphins. I don't wow. like it. I don't like you don't, it. Why don't you like it? I just don't, I don't trust the sloth. I guess I'm wondering why <laughs> does a sloth. you not trust the sloth? They don't do anything. Why do they come on to you? Why do they need to hold their breath? Because they're yeah, See what I'm saying? That's I can what really relate to a sloth. I, Oh shoot! I have a sloth sticker right here. He's just laying on a book. Yeah, see, just he's holding his breath the whole Classic time. Classic sloth move. I, so do I don't you think hold you your breath them. because you feel tired. No, Wait, I don't think well, I don't actually you're asking hold my her breath. that. At the, no. It just feels like a fabulous way so, to save energy. I don't know. I don't trust uh, them. Right? They like also a, have huge claws, but they can never get you. But they kind of could. <laughs> I just don't like. They it. just it's, need to be scary. It is it's not my raw. favorite animal. I'll be honest. Oh, is, oh, there it is. Nanny just yeah. imper- for the the listener, Nanny just impersonated the sloth. I don't. If, if that was. <laughs> it was not good though. Sloth impersonation you didn't miss anything. Is in, is it the is it Zootopia, where the she's the. Um, is this where I bring up I dislike cartoons? Okay. Let's yeah, okay. that'd be a Kaylin move. What are we talking about? Let me so say how I don't woman, like it. This woman or the sloth is the receptionist. And someone who is wanting to get things done like super quick goes to this character. And then the sloth is like, give me one minute. All right. Now, Kaylin's got the listeners turning off the podcast. <laughs> so it's, We're all going to bring it to the table. Thanks. Jeez, Louise. Kaylin you guys only job. listen to this for me, right? <laughs> Kaylin did a great job reenacting a scene from a movie no one's seen. So that was really helpful. Well, it's better than my impersonation of a sloth, I got to say. Though. It, that's true. Yeah. That, that's hard to pick up. She on really the, nailed it more than I did. So. <laughs> Our banter times are falling apart on yep. us, guys. All right. We're, let's get into this then. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's get into it. Um, so <laughs> every week... We start off with a leading question, uh, something provocative for the listener. And this week it is, what should I do if I hate my job? We're kind of digging into the topic of of work and even how you're wired, or as we say around here, your shape, uh, which kind of is an acronym for a number of things. So, Kaylin, what should I do if I hate my job? Uh, I think this is a tough question. Uh, because there are so many factors or variables that are playing into that decision. 
And it's truly, it's not a one size fits all answer. So as much as you probably want more on that question, that's all I got. Wow. All right. You or me? Uh, Go for it. Well, I wrote, similarly, there is not one answer to this question. So, but I did continue on despite the fact that there's not, it's no, it's fine. (laughs) If someone asked me this question or I asked them, I kind of hope for two things. One would be just a general curiosity about what prompted the question. Like, tell me more, you know, Mm -hmm. it's the, can I be curious? Right. So something we encourage leaders to do here at Hope is, do you have a sense of curiosity about why people are telling you the things that they're telling? Or if if I said that about my job, I would want somebody to help me to understand more. And then really, I would want them to help me get to the bottom of what I even mean by the word hate mm-hmm. and should, right? What mm-hmm. should I do? What do you mean by hate? Like, is hate like I had a bad day or sometimes my boss makes me do things I don't want to do? Or is it like, it's a it's a truly destructive environment and I'm being, you know, people are encouraging me to do things I find immoral. Those are very different things. And then should Mm -hmm. is a really like tough word, right? Because that's when people ask a word should, what should I do? I always back up. Younger Natty would have jumped right in there like, I'm wise. I know Mm -hmm. you're (laughs) going to help you answer this. We're going to get to the bottom of this. But should is a really dicey question because um, we don't, it's really, we, hmm. I'm, I can't finish a sentence. Um, we should really consider like how how often we give people, that's a big life decision. What For should sure. I do? And so how do we get them to um, get to the bottom of what they're thinking and feeling first? And then I, I like to follow up with, what have, have you told anyone else about this? What other trusted voices have you talked to? And then how have you heard them or what advice of theirs are you listening to? to maybe so I don't add more advice to the pile of advice if they're just... That makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. How about you, yeah. Paul? Similar to you, just asking questions, um, trying to get to, especially the why, uh, as well. So, kind of in addition to the should and the hate, what what that might mean for them, why? Um, and I think I wanna, what I would wanna do is get to the bottom of how are they thinking about work in general, mm. right? Because there'd be a couple of things that maybe would be helpful or unhelpful to think about work. On the one side of things. Uh, a theology of work would give us that there's always going to be toil, right? Like just there's stuff about our jobs that no matter how much we love our jobs, uh, there's just some parts of it that are not going to be fun. Uh, And they're just going to feel like toil. They're going to feel like hard work. They're going to feel like sweat on the brow or however you want to think about toil. Um, And then the other side of things would be um, like, is it, yeah, is it a bad fit from a kind of culture standpoint, from a relational standpoint, um, or from a yeah, kind of your fit standpoint. And that's very fair to consider. But I think the challenge is, or the reason to ask questions then is to say, are you thinking through those lenses together? Or have you kind of isolated into a very me-centric view of what work is about and what you're calling to be in that workplace is? Mm-hmm. And so you can't kind of see past some of the other dust-ups that are happening because you're really stuck where you are. And that's so to add what you guys are saying, the curiosity of the question is what really would hopefully draw someone out and then help you, you just kind of be reflecting back to them what they're thinking. Um, but yeah, also younger me and current me probably would not always be patient enough to kind of ask yeah. and get there. And so mm-hmm, that's the, mm-hmm. I think the challenge as a, as a someone kind of relating with this person. Yeah. And we don't, we don't need to own other people's decisions, right? Like mm-hmm. right. general leadership principle on this here, developing. Here we go. Imperfect Leaders podcast is 
really you owning other people's decisions rarely works well for you or them. And I've had to learn that the hard way by, yeah. you know, like asserting too much of my opinion into people's mm-hmm. decisions. That's great. So uh, this week's quote of the week then is getting on the topic. And we're looking at an article from the Harvard Business Review. This was published online titled Six Signs You Should Quit. And so I'm going to read these six signs. We're going to walk through this list and kind of unpack our thoughts on it. So here are the six signs you should quit according to Harvard Business Review. Number one, it's no longer encouraging your growth. Number two, you've achieved what you've set out to achieve. Number three, you actively look for ways to avoid your job. Number four, you regularly approach work with exhaustion, burnout, or dread. Number five, it's causing you to develop bad habits. Number six, your workplace has become unhealthy. So just kind of get us into this list, Kaylin. What what are kind of your initial thoughts as we look at this? Um, after I read this list, I was like, oh, wow. This is like a very like me-centered view of like, it's a very like, how is this job impacting me or benefiting me hmm. uh, versus... I mean, I guess I don't know what the flip side would be, but it just, it's very much of like how much this is like impacting or influencing you. And um, I think the questions are good because I think some are like good to consider of like you regularly, regularly approach work with exhaustion or burnout. Like, okay, that's a good yellow flag. And like, would you approach any job with exhaustion or burnout? You know, like it's one of those things of like, Mm. are you kind of running away from what you think the problem might be, but there's other things that, yeah, Mm. anyways. So that is kind of like one thought I had was just, I think by asking yourself these questions, you're almost putting too much on the job or the company, like giving them too much Mm. weight Mm -hmm. um, or pressure because no one job is going to, always going to be encouraging your growth, always helping you achieve what you need to achieve. Like you can't say, Like there is not, there's not one perfect job um, and not one job that's going to fulfill all of these because there's so many other variables outside of your work that can play into these things as well. Can I jump in on that? Because that, I think you really hit on something and as our, and thinking broadly in terms of culture here, building off what you said, uh, as we've kind of shifted in culture, especially in America from being more connected to religion and the church. We've kind of forced God out maybe in some areas. And so one of the things that has happened in that as a result of that is kind of a a looking for meaning and looking for Mm -hmm. significance and looking for fulfillment in places that we haven't always looked for it. And so one of those would be a job. Uh, Famously, Pastor Steve here has shared a story of his uh, grandfather who retired from being a barber. You guys ever hear this story? Yeah, yeah, so he retired from being a barber and they asked him, like, what would you... Did you like being, he's like in his, you know, like eighties or something, you know, they're like, did you like being a barber? And he was like, no, (laughs) he just did it as a job. But now we look at it and we say, no, work has to be this thing. Our identity. That fulfills me, that my identity is in, that gives me meaning and that gives me purpose. And and now here's why I bring all the the cultural thing up is because if it is that and it becomes that, then of course we're going to interpret it in a very me-centric way. And we're going to look at when we're not having our needs, every need fulfilled and our every desire met by our job, we're going to look at it as the problem. And then the way out we're looking for is going to be our solution. 
But the reality is we're never going to find the perfect job that makes us feel perfectly fulfilled and gives us our complete identity and purpose and meaning because it just doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. And I, I, my, my answer to the growing together was about a good theology of work. So we can touch back on that in that section. But I, I kind of took the approach and I'm super glad to hear you took a more global approach. I just actually like reflected on them individually. So, um, you know, like looking at the list, it, it is definitely me centered. It's all about how I feel about what I do. There's nothing about like, I make a productive, like contr- contribution to society. What if like, mm-hmm. I don't know, let's say, or like whoever invented penicillin, yeah. what if they're like, well, it didn't bring me fulfillment. fulfillment. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I we mean? Like, uh, it it didn't, still... it didn't bring me fulfillment. So I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to invent penicillin. You know, like how many lives has that saved, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm allergic to it personally, but <laughs> um, that was my fun fact. Oh, Real yeah. fun fact. Yep. Um, but that first one, you know, it was interesting because it no longer in, it, it no longer is encouraging my growth. That would be kind of the mm-hmm. natty paraphrase of that. Number one is it's no longer encouraging your growth. Well, is that a commonplace thing in a job? I know I hope we do that because we're we're always talking about the gospel and um, how to help each other grow. So, mm-hmm. it, but that's because it, it's centered around something like the gospel. But yeah. I, I don't think I was in any other jobs before I worked here where people were like actively seeking out my growth. And maybe it's, I've worked here now for going on 17 years. So it could be that I have a dated reference to any place other than hope. So I'm, I'm curious about what you guys think about this. Yeah. And it's interesting. So it's no longer encouraging your growth. I I would say, yeah, I don't know if a lot of workplaces are doing that. I think one of the things people are looking for in managers now is the kind of manager that's identifying and helping and supporting you grow. So mm-hmm. I do think that's uh, become more relevant in recent years. I know in conversations with those in the workforce that's uh, and not necessarily vocational ministry like us, that's kind of what people are looking for is more of that. But yeah, it is. Um, sometimes a job is not always about you growing and some of it is, yeah, a little more of the output and kind of, um, just what a job is. Right. Right. And then the second one, you've achieved what you set out to achieve. I don't know. Kay, did you have any thoughts on this one or? I guess I would have like, for me, I'm like, I don't even know what I would want to achieve in a job. Like, Right. It's it's a job. I go to work. Sure, I right. do Pastor Steve's grandpa would have said, I got paid. Right. right. I, I gave good my, haircuts. I put food on the table. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Like for me, I'm like, yeah. right. I definitely want to be like a representative of the gospel and Jesus. And so like, yes, that is what I want to achieve. But like, I would say I could do that in any job. It doesn't have to be at hope. Right. I just want to do good work. Again, I looked at this one and I was like, I can relate with this one on a little bit of a level of this being unique to who I am. My shape is I get easily bored, Mm -hmm. right? So if I felt like there was nothing new or novel, that would be unique to me to say that would not be a good personal fit for me because I get easily bored. That would make me restless in my job. And I would probably start to try to do other people's jobs or be maybe even counterproductive to the team or try to move ahead of what the other people in my, in my workplace need to do I, I might actually become a detriment to the team at that point mm-hmm. thankfully my my job here lets me innovate a little bit and and try a bunch of different things and so for me personally this something along this line m- might be a good metric but for not not for everyone uh because depends on you know like what yeah. what did you yep. 
set out to achieve. I, I just, I guess I don't look at my job that way. Mm-mm. Yeah, it kind of creates this, again, going back to the idea of fulfillment, right? And a little bit of like, you made enough the progress, you fulfilled it, you fulfilled what you wanted to achieve. Therefore, now that thing is beneath you almost, and you should be looking elsewhere. Uh, and it's like, no, sometimes you just show up and, and do the job. But all right, number three was you actively look for ways to avoid your job. I actually combined this with number four because I felt they were pretty similar. And And number number four four is you regularly approach work with exhaustion, burnout, or dread. Um, I wrote in here, um, it kind of depends. You know, on these, I can see, like, I think any job I had, I would, I I could find myself actively seeking to avoid work because I am fundamentally lazy. Apart from the gospel. Lazy River. Right? Like, the, I, would, I would love, well, sloth oh, what? and, la- well, it's Double a theme. Callbacks. It's a theme. Who knew we were going to have a theme? Like, I'm, I'm lazy. So in the sense that I'm finding ways to avoid my job, I think I love my job at Hope, but I, I think if I let myself, I could easily find ways to actively avoid my job because I would, there's some part of me that would rather sit around and watch TV than think hard at work or something like that. So the same could be true about exhaustion, burnout, and dread, depending on what was fueling my desire to avoid or that feeling of exhaustion, burnout, and dread. Because as Paul mentioned earlier, work on this side of the fall is toil, Mm -hmm. right? So we're going to have toil in our jobs. So I would, this would be a definite curiosity point for me. Like, tell me what you mean by burnout. Tell me what Mm -hmm. you mean by avoid. If you're avoiding it because it's unsafe, like for you yeah. in some way, that's way different than I'm avoiding it because I'm lazy, right? Or I, I'd rather mm-hmm. not work at all. I'd like to be a, you know, a retiree, mm-hmm. right? So I could do whatever I want and get paid for it. Like, mm-hmm. isn't that the millennial mm-hmm. dream? Do whatever I want, do do whatever I want, how much I want and get paid enough so I can do whatever I want outside of work. Like mm-hmm. that's, right? That was a sort of millennial dream. Not to put you guys in too much of a box. But. Yeah, I think this one, it because this is, like the list itself has a lot of validity or there's like things to that are sh- we should be thinking through with some of the things in the list. But we also have to bring it back to think about it under God's definition of work and how um, work is is created by God. It's a good thing and that it is existed before the fall. And yet, obviously, after the fall, we see it as toil. But then, so it's tainted by sin, so it's never going to be perfect. Um, but work is also in one sense for God's purpose. Right, that no matter what we do, whether we work vocational ministry or we work any workplace, I was just talking with someone who's an occupational therapist, and they get to do things in their job that uh, she highlighted help restore someone's dignity because they're relearning or they're learning skills that they previously mm-hmm. didn't have that help them make feel more human. Mm-hmm. Now that's gospelly work, right? It's not necessarily leading someone to faith in the gospel, but it's something that's helping that person have more dignity. That's a beautiful thing. It's redemptive. It's redemptive. It's like it fits under God's purpose and kind of caring for others and some of these other things. Um, But that's probably hard work and it's also frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. And so, right. So if she, let's say she starts feeling exhaustion, burnout, dread, but it maybe it was because you, you're losing some of that purpose. And again, not just purpose of like, does this fulfill me? But purpose of like, is this what God is calling me to has for me? Um, and it is actually a blessing to others. So I think it's, again, that me-centric lane can be, uh, can be a, kind of the spectrum for us as we evaluate the list and its validity and, and some of the things it's saying. The fifth one, or Katie, did you have thoughts on that, Tad? The fifth one was, it's causing you to develop bad habits. <laughs> I wrote, hmm, what kind of bad habit factories 
I yeah. think I could develop bad habits anywhere. In a cave. So I just yeah. don't know about this. Um, again, it's a curiosity question. I don't want to dismiss somebody um, or like it's promote, it's actively promoting me doing things that are bad for me or bad habits or morally wrong. Um, but I am, I personally, and what I've observed from those around me is we're just kind of bad habit factories when we, when we're left to our own devices. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, I, I kind of chuckled at this one, uh, as if something could cause you to develop bad habits. It's, it's that like, right. Oh, my job made me do it. The problem is out there. Yeah, the problem is outside of me instead of, no, sin exists inside of me. Therefore, I make bad choices and I need to own that I've made this bad choice and decide to do something different, right? Like, um, definitely an interesting, I kind of giggled at this one because it's so blamey. It's just really blamey. My job made me do it. The dog ate my homework, you know, like whatever. So... I don't know. Anyone else have different thoughts? I th- I thought similarly of like it, you could develop bad habits anywhere. Mm-hmm. So in a cave. Yep. Who said in a cave? Yeah, in a, I said in a cave. Yeah. So the sixth one then kind of builds a little bit off of that and says your workplace has become unhealthy. Uh, and this one's tricky because that word unhealthy is really in your driver's was, seat to determine. Well, yeah. Yeah. Reference our season one podcast on toxic. Toxicity. Right, right. Because that, you know, and I think just to be clear, there are unhealthy workplaces and there are unhealthy managers and there's unhealthy situations. Um, What I would say is maybe a caveat or something to think through is when we are the only ones determining if something is unhealthy, it's far more likely we're going to drift toward blame and problem. I'm not saying it's not always, uh, that's not always correct. But what would be helpful there, I think, is to maybe a seatbelt for us to not get off the rails is to invite other people to think about your workplace environment with you and ask, is this, do you see this as unhealthy? Is that an unhealthy culture, maybe an unhealthy leader? Um, Because I think that that would help us maybe get out of our own head and not kind of identify that. We're very capable of identifying one thing and saying, if that just got fixed, my life would be perfect. And so that, that'd be my, my thoughts there. What about you guys? I, yeah, I don't have much more to add about. I yeah, think. I, we, I did it differently. Like, so I have something on everything. So sorry. Um, yeah, I wrote, you know, like this, this again, we want to abdicate. We're using lists like this to abdicate our personal responsibility yeah. in our environment. And like Paul mentioned, there, there are truly unhealthy things. And I think mm-hmm. we need to be away from those. But if it, depending on the situation, I think we might be abdicating our responsibility to actually helping to create a healthy environment using the gospel as a, like, a, you think about the as reconcilers, mm-hmm. right? And so, mm-hmm. um, which can be really hard if you are the only Christian in the workplace. Right. For but sure. we can also show, I mean, yes, just very hard, for yep. sure. Very yep. hard. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to dismiss that. Um, yeah, for sure. Very hard. Right. But also what a great witness. So, what is, what can I do to help curb this unhealth? Have I been a part of, of offering a solution? Of course, as much control as we have over that, we can't always control the environment of our office, right. um, of our, of the corporation we work for. And so 
in as much as we have control or we have the the means to do it, have we thought about being a part of promoting health, even if it's just healthier relationships amongst our coworkers? Maybe there's a, a an environment of like gossiping about, you know, imagine we were in a, wor- a room working together and the minute Paul left, we started to be like, you got to hear from that, Paul. Oh my gosh, have you heard what Paul did? And then I get up and leave and you start the same conversation. Have you heard about that natty? You know, like- it, I'm the gossiper. Not being, you're sorry. Yeah, you're in the well, middle. You're only the gossiper in this example. Because you're right in the middle. And of course, the person in the middle never gets up. They just sit there all the time. Mm-hmm. That's their job. <laughs> they just sit. Um, and so uh, we put Kaylin in the middle because she's, she's so lovely. And she's so lovely. <laughs> um, yes. Um, but yeah, what have you owned in this to help create health? I think mm-hmm. is always my question. Like turn the lens around and ask, am I seeing myself in this? So let's think about growing together. Let's get into the practical on this and kind of build out, Nadia, what you hinted at, a theology of work or kind of seeing work in light of who God is and what he's telling us. Um, And so with that in mind, what are some practical ways that an imperfect leader can grow in their approach to work from a gospel lens? I I was thinking about work in terms of the arc of the biblical narrative. So you have like this creation, fall, redemption, restoration, right? So in creation, God designed um, human beings to work the garden, right? To tend it, to take care of it, to be a part of it. So so working it of itself isn't a bad thing. It's not mm-hmm. like, oh, if we, we would just be laying around all day doing nothing. I think as humans, that's just, we don't have meaning. We, God, God assigned us something to do because he wired us that way, right? And, and then the fall happens. And so what what is a result of the curse is that work now isn't, joyful all the time. It's not something that, that makes us, draws us closer to God necessarily, or, or we, we find it to be enjoyable. It, it, it creates toil. It can be toil. Mm -hmm. Paul used that word right now. It's toil. It causes pain. Right. And so, uh, there are, we can have some redemptive parts of our job that they can, we can point people at Jesus. We can use them as tools, use that environment as ways to bring the love of Jesus in, into the world, or even just those redemptive tools, like your occupational therapist friend, friend, right? Like that's a, what a huge gift that is to other people to be able to do that. And, and then just know that it's never going to be made right. The side of eternity, as long as we are here, we will experience toil. Someday we will work again without toil. Mm -hmm. We'll, we'll, it will be completely like made right, mm-hmm. right? It'll all be restored. Um, so I, I think just having that right view of work as we ask ourselves these questions might help us to have a more like sober or accurate lens on our actual work environment rather than it, it needing to fulfill us. Yeah. I think um, it if these are questions that you are asking yourself, I would connect with a few trusted voices or if you're feeling like, oh man, do I quit my job? Like, I don't know. It's go talk with someone, share with them how you've been feeling. Cause I think community can offer a lot of support and insight to your situation. And so, um, I mean, and maybe like, if it is like, I do want to grow more. And if like being able to share that with your supervisor and manager and just Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, I would love this opportunity to learn more about X, Y, Z. Um, or you could share, this is where like, I'm actually seeing some unhealth. Can you, you know, help me understand that more? Or like, you know, whatever questions, but it's, I think like to not just make this decision of quitting your job without like doing a little work, um, 
yeah and not just escaping but how do you do some work to like is this still a good fit for me or not and yeah that's really good yeah the I like the idea of like going to supervisor and kind of self-advocating looking for opportunities um, and I think that'd be one where if you are running into walls to barriers, that's where you should turn and talk to people and say, like, I'm, I've asked my supervisor three times about ways I could grow. Mm-hmm. And each time I met with resistance. Um, is that, are you, is the, are you experiencing similar things in your work environment or, or is this abnormal? Um, and just that one practical example, I went more into like a grid of, or a framework for thinking kind of similar to Natty on the, on the theology side. Uh, some words that might be helpful to keep us in a more of a God-centered mindset would be calling and mission. Hmm. So calling is more like, how has God uniquely wired you? Um, and then mission is more like, what is God trying to accomplish broadly? Um, right? So it's like God, that kind of fit together and you then are thinking through things from again, what is God trying to accomplish and how has he wired me? that's going to change the way I approach work. And that might take away some of the me centric and might change the way I think about even a difficult job that I'm at. I might stay and say, no, God actually wants me to be in these relationships with these people. Maybe there's one person in particular he's clearly put in, in my path to that I can share the gospel with. And so I'm going to actually endure what might feel like a more trial inducing job because he's calling me to this greater thing. And then with that would be two other things that would help us identity and idol. And so kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, is this job becoming my identity? Like, am I building my life on it? And if so, it's probably letting me down. And how can I discern that? And that goes into the idol one. Work is a good thing. God created work to be good. Work is a terrible God. It's not meant to be worshiped. And it's likely that if we are miserable at a job, we possibly in some way are doing that. Again, not entirely but it's possible we're putting work in a place it's not meant to hold. Um, and if that's the case, we've got to work through that and give that to the Lord. Um, so that's a couple things. It's just more grids to think through as we approach this. But it is a difficult topic. And so like Kaylin hit on, we want to be talking with others about this, trusted voices. Uh, with that said, what for us, we are imperfect leaders uh, as well. So what's one thing you're taking away from this conversation as you think about the topic of work in your own life, and uh, I can start, I, it actually really is that mission piece, um, which I just touched on, but like, what is God about? And maybe I'll let that frame or try to let that frame more the way I'm thinking. It's weird because I work in vocational ministry to <laughs> yeah. say that, but it actually is true, right? Like how quickly even in, in ministry, so how much more maybe in the workforce, right? Like that it's capable for us to lose sight of what does God want to accomplish over against maybe what I think I want to accomplish or what best serves me? What is God about? And that might help me align my heart with what he's trying to do. Yeah, that's actually what's sticking with me is, um, have I seen what God is up to in my job? Do I look to that or or is my primary lens about my job, how I feel about it or how it makes me feel? Mm. Like whether you want to accept responsibility for your own feelings or or you want to say it causes you to have feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very me-centric way. Do I, do I love it? Is it fulfilling me? The, I think about my husband who's a teacher. He doesn't enjoy every day, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes the kids are tougher to deal with or, or there's, maybe more chaos in the classroom or whatever's going on. But when I ask him how he's doing, I can hear that he 
deeply cares about the outcome of the kids' education. He wants them to learn what he's teaching them, but he also cares about the outcome of their life. And he really does a great job. And it was just hitting me while you were talking. So if it looked like I was spacing out, I was actually just thinking about it um, while Paul was talking. I wasn't spacing out while you were talking. Um, But I was thinking about how that has allowed him to be in a a difficult career path to endure for a long period Mm -hmm. of time in a way that he, he actually he finds joy in being a teacher because mm-hmm. I think he sees great meaning in it. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, wow, yeah, that's really, that's been his key to success as an educator is to not keep his eyes focused on himself mm-hmm. and how he feels about it or how he perceives it's making him feel. So. Uh, I think we're three for three of thinking like, sweet, what is God up to? I think that's a great question to reflect on because it helps, it removes you from the situation and it helps you consider like, oh, there's like a bigger story, a bigger picture going on. Well, that wraps up our conversation for today. But we want to keep connecting with you. So thank you for listening to the podcast. And if you like what you heard, be sure to follow our show and leave a review. We love connecting with our listeners. So if you have questions, comments, or topic ideas, please email us ldi at hopecc.com. LDI is a ministry of Hope Community Church based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We seek to develop leaders in their biblical thinking, Christ-like character, and ministry skills for service both inside and outside the church. We do this through internships, classes, seminars, and retreats. If you're interested in learning more about our internships or other opportunities, visit ldi.hopecc.com or email ldi.hopecc.com. Have a great week.